people. Welcome to Wednesday's version of the Fontenelle Final Bell. I'm Shaylee Peters joining you today, stepping in for Susan Littlefield, and our guest is a familiar one. It's Arlen Suderman, Stone X. And Arlen, what a day you got to be on the Final Bell here. We see that report really shaking things up, and we'll get to that here in just a minute. Uh, but all of our grains soaring higher into the close today. Go ahead and break down today's trade and the reaction we saw there. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, been quite a volatile day, and uh, for for once, it's uh, to the upside to boost producers. End users would probably see it the other other way, and and we'll talk about that in the livestock side of it. Um, but some big surprises from USDA in the quarterly stocks report today. Surprises are common in this report, especially in the corn stocks number. And this, you know, USDA did not disappoint. Um, but there were surprises really across the board. Uh, the, today's reports included uh, grain stocks as of September 1 for corn, soybeans, wheat, and other commodities, but also the small grain summary report uh, with production estimates for the various classes of wheat, and there were a lot of surprises in there as well. Probably the biggest surprise overall uh, does go back to the corn stocks number again uh, with USDA putting the September 1 corn stocks at 1.995 billion bushels. So that becomes ending stocks for the, the uh, old 2019-20 marketing year that ended August 31 and the beginning stocks for this current year. So first of all, getting those old crop stocks below 2 billion bushels is important for the market psychologically. But then when that lower number becomes the beginning stocks for the new marketing year that began September 1, that helps reduce the surplus for the current year. And so that by no means, and I want to be clear about this, that by no means indicates that we're running out of corn. We still have a big surplus of corn going forward. And as USDA works this into their WASD report on October 9th, we can still expect that their ending stocks projection is going to be for the new marketing year over 2.2, excuse me, over 2 billion and maybe even over 2.2 billion bushels. So that's not reason to rally prices high enough to ration demand, but it is, it does reduce the margin for error somewhat. We'll see what USDA does with its production estimates now uh, for the October WASDE report. If it further reduces those, and so traders are buying. The computers started to buying and they've continued and the human element has continued that. And, and we went into the close um, relatively close to our session highs and that's a positive. On us. And, and what it really says is that uh, feed usage was higher than USDA was indicating through the year in all likelihood. Um, and uh, that's no surprise to us because when you take a, a low test weight crop as we had last year over much of the Midwest, that means the grain had lower energy content. It takes more bushels to get the production that you need and you have a little bit more shrinkage in the bin as well, especially as wet as some of those bushels went in and we're finally catching up to it. USDA NAS adjusted their June 30th stocks numbers down by 205 million bushels, contributing toward most of this today's surprise for September 30th report. 
Um, I, I think it was appropriate. I think their new number for June is more appropriate and closer to where I was back in June in my estimate for the June number. But what bothers me is when they go and, and backward adjust uh, a previous survey results. I think that hurts their credibility. But that aside, um, corn stocks surprising to the low side, soybean stocks surprising to the low side, and wheat stocks surprising low side. Um, with the crop production numbers for wheat also coming in below expectations, all made for a big day in the grain and oilseed markets. Be interesting to keep an eye on that, see how that affects the rest of trade this week. Let's shift gears and continue the discussion around weather, something talked a lot about this time of year. Two key regions right now you're keeping an eye on, South America and the Black Sea region. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Typically in a La Nina year, you'll see a late start to the rainy season in Brazil. So they get a late start planting and uh, we start to see more rains coming into Argentina, which has been dry in the month of October. Uh, And right now that's looking to play out, but with disappointing rains for Argentina, they are getting some showers, but not what we would normally expect. So they are staying quite dry. And that can hurt their wheat crop. They've also had some freeze damage to their wheat crop as well. Now with La Niña's, the typical pattern is that they get a short corn and soybean crop because maybe they'll get some showers in October. But then as they move into their late spring and the summer months, it turns hot and dry. Uh, For Brazil, they tend to uh, have the late start to the rainy season, but then the rains come and they have good crops with the exception for southern Brazil. So we're watching to see how that plays out. There is some increased hope that the rains will start falling in Brazil so they can start planting their crops in mid-October, although the midday models today were pulling back on that a little bit. As we look at the Black Sea, it's been one of the driest Septembers of the last 40 years for Russia's winter wheat belt. Um, And so we're watching that very closely. Not much rain in, in the forecast for the next two weeks either. And they have a smaller window than we. It's looking increasingly likely at this point that Russia's going to have a small wheat crop next year. And that's critical because the Black Sea region sets the world price for wheat. And that's one reason wheat prices were up sharply today. The other thing with La Nina is we tend to be dry in the southern plains, uh, making it tough to get started with the hard red winter wheat crop in the United States, and so far that's playing out as well. All right. Thanks, Arlen. Arlen Suderman, again, our guest today with StoneX, 816-410-3305, StoneX.com. Both ways you can contact him. Also find him on Twitter. You're listening to Wednesday's edition of the Fontenelle Final Bell. Welcome back to Wednesday's edition of the Fontenelle Final Bell. Again, I'm Shaley Peters. Joining you today, stepping in for Susan Littlefield, our guest today, Arlen Suderman with StoneX. And a lot of discussion in that first segment, Arlen, about the grain trade. Quite a surprising day there coming off that USDA report. And as we flip over and discuss livestock now, uh, we continue to see that report have its impact uh, on the livestock, especially cattle with those higher corn prices. 
Yeah, absolutely. When you have sharply higher corn prices as we did today, that does tend to impact the livestock markets, and we did see that play out, especially in the feeder cattle market, which then weighed on the fat cattle market as well. We were have been seeing some margin opportunities from feeding margin opportunities that were increasing demand for feeder cattle, um, but those got cooled pretty quickly today with the higher corn prices. And, and as soon as the corn numbers came out, the corn stocks numbers that we talked about previously, we saw the feeder cattle market start to turn lower and a lot more red ink on, and uh, with fat cattle following lower. We did see some cash cattle trade on the online exchange today at basically 106 kind of supporting ideas that we'll see higher cash prices today near term. Um, but the concerns of the cattle market today were more longer term uh, with higher inventory numbers coming, record high on feed numbers from the last cattle on feed report, um, and uh, now higher feed costs in order to feed those cattle really kind of weighing on the market. Let's talk cash trade just a little bit too, Arlen. You said that is firming up. Yeah, absolutely. The online exchange today did see a small amount of cattle move at 106. Um, those were for one to 17 day delivery. The 109, excuse me, one to nine day delivery cattle that were offered uh, did not move. Um, but uh, those for extended uh, delivery time did capture that 106 premium. And so generally the expectation is that we could be a couple of dollars higher in the negotiated trade this week. Overall, we're still waiting for that to kind of unfold. And then on to hogs, we see the lean hogs. That report came out, hogs and pigs report came out now just a while ago, but still trying to kind of sort that report, hogs and pigs report out and figure out where they're at. Yeah, it's been almost a week since that report came out, and it would suggest that uh, about 2 million hogs or so got pulled forward that should have been marketed prior to now and will be marketed in the weeks and months ahead. And that doesn't really seem to fit with what we're seeing in the industry, which seems to be uh, pricing in tighter supplies. So there's a lot of skepticism about that USDA report. Nonetheless, inventories are expected to seasonally increase over the next several months. And uh, we're seeing that played out in in the structure of the market right now. The lean hog index is uh, impressively high considering the fundamental right now. Uh, And that's largely because the product market has been doing impressively well. Uh, Holding around $90 plus for the product. Um, the question is how long that can hold with these larger supplies of hogs that are be, going to be coming in the weeks ahead. And uh, overall, we know that export demand for pork has been very strong, um, primarily due to China. We've been talking about this really for the last two years since African swine fever became a problem in China. We expected those exports to increase sometime in the fourth quarter of 2019. They did. By that time, we had already, because the market had stimulated an increase in production, we had already built up a surplus. We started working through that surplus and just started getting to the point where we could enjoy the the profits of higher prices as we exported to China and COVID hit the United States, shutting down restaurants and food services and uh, even processing plants at times. Um, So now we're working through all that. We're reaping the benefit. While we still have some restrictions on food services and restaurants, we're seeing more of those being lifted this week. That's helping boost demand, really helping build a demand base underneath of this meat complex. 
And continuing on with the hogs, let's take a closer look at that lean hog complex, that nearby uh, October contract. It's trying to catch up a little bit, but you say those deferreds are showing some weakness. Yeah, especially that December contract. In the fourth quarter of the, of the year is typically the one where we have uh, the big increase in hogs coming to market. And that's really being priced in right now. But even if you look at that lean hog index today, just below $76, the October contract, which has just uh, roughly two weeks left in it now, is trading at nearly a $3 discount to that. Kind of saying that they expect that cash market to start turning lower here fairly quickly. All right, Arlen, again, a uh, interesting day of trade for sure here. We see those grains significantly higher, livestock mix lower, coming off even some impact of that report as well. If someone wants to reach out to Arlen or find you on social media where they can get a lot of great commentary, where can they find you? Yeah, it's doingx.com or over on Twitter. My handle is Arlen, A-R-L-A-N. FF101. All right. Thanks so much, Arlen. Once again, our guest today, Arlen Suderman of StoneX. On Wednesday's edition of the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle and your local dealers. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.